Hello and welcome to another Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and her, Rachel Gardner. And she can speak for herself. That's fine. This Later isn't a podcast from the 1920s. I've <laughs> lined up some good stuff. Um, you've lined up some good stuff, have you? Yes, stuff. Oh, I look stuff. forward to that. Um, so I realised that last week when we did our, new, our Happy New Year podcast, mm-hmm. I forgot to talk about our New Year's resolutions. Right. Okay. And you remember a year ago we talked about what yes. we were going to do. Yes. And we talked about how we didn't do New Year's resolutions, we set goals. Yes. And we, it was all very positive. We said it was a bit worthy, I think. We did. Worthy we? and dull. Worthy and dull. So come on then, bring, bring us in. I said I was going to uh, write a screenplay in 2018. Indeed. Yeah. Did you write it? I got about 40 pages in. How many pages are there in a screenplay? Like 120. Oh, that's still a chunk. Yeah, and then I stopped. Oh. Because I started writing my book. Oh yes! I'm going to mention this every oh, week now. Come on then. Right. What, what, what book is this? It's a book. It's a book for teenage boys. The coming boy out in the Boy Deconstruction Project. That's yeah. what we, it's not really called that. It's not called that. But you don't like the title, so I'm scared to say it now. Oh, I, I, I probably will like it. Do you want to say it? It'll grow on you. Got it. Tell me the title. It's called The Man You're Made to Be. The Man You're Made to Be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the, the emphasis is on made. You see, it's a it's a book title. With two meanings. Brilliant. It's both the man you're made to be. M-A-I-D or M-A-D. M-A-D-E. <laughs> okay, I'm not. What are the two different no, no, meanings? No, no, no. No, no, no. Okay. The man you're made to be. Yeah. And also the man you're made to be. Yes, okay. Yeah? I like that. Do you see no, now? I like that. I do but you've like got that. it now. I do like because that. it's finished and signed off for the printer and we can't change it, Brilliant. you've started to like it. I have started to like that it. That is very kind of you. I, I was just quite interested to, to play with the word boy in the title because yeah. just like girl, I deliberately chose girl because yeah. of the kind of the link with that. Boy was quite an interesting. But a boy is what you are. Yeah. And a man is what you will you become. Be. Yeah. And I think for boys, they want to be men. Neither of those are. Sorry, neither of those are you. No, obviously. Okay. Not Thank you. I'm not a boy. But, but boys do aspire to be men. Whereas girls, the word woman isn't quite the same. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They're, do you know you could go very deep into we language? Could, we could. Like, do you know, I'm going to just, I'm just going to throw this out here. Yes. But um, this isn't what we're supposed to be talking about we're at all. boys to men. Boys to men. Boys to men. That's a great idea. No, do you remember, so uh, about five years ago at the Youth Work Summit, Ruth, uh, Ruth Ayers, uh, used to work at Youthscape, mm-hmm. um, was then Ruth Corden, she was. came and did and she a, a uh, she did a session, a, a very short session at the Youth Work Summit about um, the words we use for male and female genitalia mm, mm. and how the male ones are all kind of funny and brash mm. and pork sword yeah. and stuff like that, whereas all the girl ones are quite like demeaning and negative and vicious and, yeah. vicious and mm. unpleasant mm. and swear words. Yeah. And, and that's... I've always found that fascinating, and I think that permeates so much of our culture, the language registers that we use for, mm. for boys and girls. Boy is seen as, you know, as you say, like boy, yeah. man, yes. it's an aspirational journey. Yes. Girl, slightly demeaning, keep yes. you in your place. Woman, not sure we want to aspire to that. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, but girls want to be girls, but the way it's used against them is, is quite... Infantilizing. Well, actually, we've got a podcast coming up in a few weeks' time yes. with um, Emma Waring, who is a psychosexual nurse, wow. and she talks, she gives some good advice actually for youth workers about how we reclaim language, particularly when we're talking about sex education with young people. So get ready for that. We should have had that conversation in two weeks' it's time. It's absolutely brilliant what she says. It's genius. Anyway, it's really I, it just crossed my mind. We like to bounce around. 
Brilliant. Anyway. Now, we caught up with, um, well, actually, no, not us. We need to introduce a new voice on the podcast, oh, yes. UK podcast family. Yes. Who is this new voice? Dear Joe. Who is Joe? Joe Hartrop, or as I like to call him, Joe Hartrop, is... <laughs> he's uh, never had that. No, he's had it a lot. Oh, I agree. Uh, he is our... Uh, he's on our team. He's an absolute sweetie. He's the sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> he's an absolute he's so sweetie. He's so old in our tower. Objectifying all these wonderful stuff. Anyway, Joe. He's hoping to become a man at some point. <laughs> Joe oh Hartrop. He's only a young thing. Is he? He's a whippersnapper. He's about 12, they all are. So he, uh, yeah, he's on our team. Yeah. He, he's a writer and a creative. He's a brilliant guy. He's a brilliant guy. And he's joined the Youthscape podcast team as a sometime roving interviewer. He's lovely. And this is his first one. Yeah, it's awesome. So he's interviewing Mark Anderson who uh, works for an organisation uh, in the United States called Dare to Share. Um, as it might uh, you know, be, be very clear, it's a sort of evangelistically focused uh, youth organisation. Uh, they're huge in America, and uh, it was great to have him here in the building. Um, we got to uh, show him some British hospitality. Uh, he, we gave him breakfast. Wow. He was very annoyed that he couldn't cut the bagel that we gave him. Did we not give him a knife? We gave him a knife, but you know, in Britain, when you have a bagel, what you do is you is you saw the bagel you in half. Your fingers. You play a game of yeah, risk, you do. don't you? Um, and you, you try and you cut, hold it in your saw hand, it in half. cut down, and you're also talking to somebody else at the same time. Yeah, you do, and you leave your thumb in for too long, <laughs> just to see what happens. Just to, and the, the bagel mops up the blood. It's fine. fine. It's very doughy. So he didn't like that. Didn't like that. He was actually quite outspoken about it at breakfast. Um, and so he he sent us in the post a, a bagel slicer. Is that a thing? It, it actually looks like a looks like a guillotine. It's like a bagel guillotine. So you lay a bagel on its side and there's like a, a, a bit of cheese wire that goes it's through like, it. It's like it's it comes down like oh. a, a, you can also use it to decapitate cats. Oh, <laughs> Um, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bagel guillotine and he sent it to us and that's a mark of the man I think. So this is Mark Anderson uh, from Dare to Share telling, uh, telling Joe Hartrob all about youth ministry in America. This podcast is for you. Okay, so hi, we are here with Mark Anderson. Andreessen. Uh Mark Anderson, how are you doing? I'm well. Thank um, you. Tell, tell us about yourself and what brings you to Youthscape today. Well, I'm the International Director of Mobilization for a US-based ministry called Dare to Share. Um, we um, help energize the church so that youth can be mobilized to gospelize the world. Gospelize is an old Charles Spurgeon term. Okay. Others may have used it. Um, Spurgeon probably made it famous, but essentially um, I believe, we believe that youth who go, grow. Um, when you're conversing about faith, when you're talking with your mates about Christ, you grow in faith. You learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. Um, you learn what you believe. Uh, you own it. Uh, it's your faith. It's not your parents' faith or the minister's faith. It's your faith. So uh, we have training and various curriculum and programs to help youth leaders and then youth 
um, have conversations about Christ. And so I'm here this week in England meeting with some other global youth ministry um, thinkers and leaders and going to be doing some strategy with them. And Chris invited me to come up and meet the Youthscape team. So that's why I'm here. Great. What do you make of what you've seen so far at Youthscape? Well, I mean, Youthscape is known for um, innovation, um, creativity, and I would say that your facilities exude that. As it's very obvious um, that there is a creative ethos uh, here. So it's been a pleasure to be a part of it. And it's also a nice treat, Joe, to be here um, at the conclusion of your big um, youth ministry training event, um, the weekend, if you will. And, and just, uh, it's always great to follow something like that because there's good team energy. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then to even hear some of the stories earlier, some of the praise reports. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think I picked a good time to come on by. Yeah, you did. Well, it's lovely to have you. Tell us a bit more about your own story and how your life has led to this work you're doing now. So, um, so I trusted in Christ as Savior um, uh, in my teen years, but I wasn't rooted uh, in Christian community. I didn't have a very healthy home life um, and wasn't really uh, rooted and connected in the Word of God. So I, I like many young people, I floundered. You know, I, I rode the adolescent roller coaster, highs and lows. I love Jesus. Oh, woe is me. And, you know, up and down, up and down. And, uh, um, but um, I, I think that journey is, is um, helped me later in life um, really appreciate youth and all that they go through. And, and, and so I've been a youth minister now for about 20 years and um, have worked in the church in the U.S. and then overseas, uh, having lived in a couple different countries. And in that time of doing youth ministry, the Lord has allowed me an opportunity to train and equip youth leaders globally and um, and then most recently in the last few years um, God has allowed me to come alongside uh, dynamic youth ministers uh, around the world and really encourage them to have ministries that are gospel advancing that is uh, so often in student ministry we think that it is the adult leader's job to to share faith to share the gospel message mm -hmm. yeah. And the reality of it is the adult leader should be the coach cheering on the students who are in the game day in and day out, whether that field be social media, Snapchat, Instagram, or the field be the literal football field mm -hmm. or um, the cafeteria or their lunch, uh, lunch mates. Um, youth should know how to share the gospel. They should do it in a way that's relevant uh, culturally, relationally. And um, that's clear. And a lot of youth don't know how to do that. So I'm excited to partner with youth leaders to help them have ministries where they can be the coach. They can be mm -hmm. the cheerleader. They can encourage youth yeah. to own their faith and share their faith. And do it in a way that's, again, relational and relevant. Not um, beating someone over the head. Not, yeah. not a presentation, but a conversation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you say you did a PhD? I have a doctorate in intercultural studies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Intercultural studies. Intercultural studies. Okay. So uh, specifically looking at, um, um, uh, well, my dissertation was in the topic of um, cultural value systems um, mm -hmm. that 
uh, undergird our ecclesiology and how we do church. And so um, I posit that many of the value systems that are inherent in youth ministry in the West, specifically America, but I I think it could pertain to parts of Europe, um, they're very Western in nature and therefore um, not aligned with um, youth subculture. Uh, They're not aligned with ancient Near East society or the culture in which the Bible is written. And they're not aligned with adolescent development uh, theory. So things like individualism, we're very individualistic, at least in America we are. Uh, Faith is my faith, um, as we're in other parts of the world, it's very collective. Uh, And so that's a value orientation that we hold individualistically, but then uh, on a corporate collective level, Societies hold it. So I looked at things like that. Um, time orientation in, in the West, we tend to be very uh, present and future orientated, uh, as we're in other cultures. They value a holistic view of time, which includes the past and traditions. And uh, many young people in the West, I would say, are uh, spiritual orphans. They don't know their lineage, they don't know church history, they don't know um, really the greater meta narrative scripture and how their life is a part of God's ongoing story because mm-hmm. they're so present and future orientated in their view of time. So things like that. So uh, looking at youth uh, ministry and youth studies and cross-cultural studies. Um, so that's kind of the area I wrote my dissertation on and my passion. Sounds fascinating. And, and is it is that, so does that influence quite a lot of your work going back into youth ministry? Um, it does because... Um, you know, really from a missiological or the study of missions, uh, my passion is contextualization. Mm. You know, the word of God, the message, um, it's pure. And the word, the world needs the message. Often it's the middleman. It's the messenger that messes it up. Yeah. And we don't listen to the voice of God, the spirit of God leading and guiding us in the area of contextualization. So we have the word. And then over here is the world, mm. and in between is us. And if we were to allow the Holy Spirit and really good science and good logic and good reason to help us contextualize and adapt the message to make it to be relevant, uh, to adapt the delivery of the message, the Word of God, the message is never to be changed, but the methodology of how we do student ministry and how we um, share that message to a world, um, yeah. that should always adapt and change. So I, I have the pleasure to help youth leaders around the world um, understand who they are and what youth ministry looks like in their context mm-hmm. so they can reach the world in which they live in. Uh, mm-hmm. Not their, their context, their culture is different than mine. So to help them as a messenger understand a pure gospel message, but relay that to a culture um, that could be very antagonistic or a culture that could be very agnostic or um, very pluralistic or secularistic, um, but help them share the word of God in a pure way where they as a messenger are distorting it and getting in the way and screwing it up. And Yeah. Yeah. So that's the issue of contextualization. Yeah. So think about context. Do you, um, when you've been in Europe recently, mm-hmm. right now you're in the UK, I mean, people often think about Europe, UK being increasingly secular, sort of post-Christian perhaps. Um, and whereas the US having a more, at least at the moment, a more kind of residual faith within the atmosphere. Is that something you you sense in your work? And how does that kind of sense of a kind of residual Christianity um, play into your kind of ministry in the US? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, 
you know, the, the old adage uh, in the area of religion and philosophy, sociology, and even politics is uh, so as Europe goes, so does America. Mm. And Chris and I were talking just earlier about that, 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 that adage, that phrase, and that it used to be that the trends in Europe would become the trends in America within about 20 years. Mm. And, and I joked with Chris and I said, it's more like 20 days or 20 hours. So in that sense, um, I would say, and, and studies prove this, that America as, as a country is really uh, post-Christian as well. Um, there is some residual aspects of that in culture and society. And in that sense, maybe there's less hostility or uh, less of a secularization. Mm. Um, but nonetheless, there, there's an increased amount of apathy and, and um, uh, complacency. And mm. so um, young people in America are, are, in a sense, very similar to, I think, those in the United Kingdom, and that they're really disenfranchised, they're really disillusioned with uh, institutions, whether it's um, government, the political system, law enforcement, um, academia, everything. Um, and unfortunately, the church in many places, they haven't adapted their methodology. Um, and their message, unfortunately, for some, uh, in some circles, has even um, I would say been corrupted. So, so in that sense, there are youth that are hungry and, and desiring for, for the God of the Bible and for a message of love and a message of peace, um, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so our ministry at Dare to Share helps youth, um, better understand their faith and therefore articulate their faith. Again, the general understanding is, um, um, if you're exercising your faith, if you're, um, exercising spiritual muscles, you're going to grow. Uh, if you're not, then you'll atrophy. And the same thing is true physically. I enjoy running. Um, in fact, just two weeks ago, I ran a half marathon in, in Switzerland. Oh. And I'll have the pleasure this weekend to run a 10K in London. Oh, and okay. so um, um, I enjoy running, but I know that if I don't run, if I don't practice, if I don't train, mm. that, that I atrophy and then I'm prone to injury. And the same thing is true spiritually. Yes. Um, my concern is in, in, in the West is that we've created a culture within youth ministry whereby youth are consumers. Mm. We tell them to come, come to the service, come to the Bible study, come to the event. Someone else is going to talk about God. You consume it and then you go home. That's it. And we're not training and equipping them how to be contributors. Yeah. And at the very essence, at the very core of young people, is a God-given inherent desire to be contributors. Um, can I go a little bit deeper with you? Yeah, please. Um, so if we look at Genesis and we look at the concept of uh, Imago Dei, um, to be created in the image of God, and Genesis says that God created man and woman in his image, and it's a profound theological concept, but I would boil it down to say, it, at least it, to me it means three things. It means that like God, we're spirit beings. God is spirit. He's to be worshipped, spirit and truth. Two, God is relational. He's revealed himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. Three unique persons, yet one Godhead. Um, and we know that he's created us to be relational. I've talked to agnostics, atheists, Muslims, Hindus, and any other isms. 
And at the very core of every conversation is a desire for relationship, for belonging. And then number three is, um, well, number one is um, that we are um, uh, spiritual beings, two, we're relational beings, and three, we're creative, purposeful beings. If you recall, uh, God made mankind, then he said, be fruitful and multiply mm. and subdue the earth, have stewardship over it. And so inherent in 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 very beginning of scripture are these three truths. Those three truths coincide with adolescent psychology. The three questions young people ask are, who am I? Uh, what do I believe? Um, and where do I belong? So they're, they're desiring to be in relationship. They're trying to figure out who they are. And then that aspect of what they believe also has to do with who they are as creative beings. They desire to express themselves. They desire to have purpose and have meaning. And so if the church is saying, hey, come, sit, listen, and then go be a good person, mm -hmm. but we're not actually empowering the young people to be the body of Christ, to be contributors, to advance the kingdom of God by pushing back darkness and hatred and evil, mm -hmm. um, then essentially we're not tapping into their imago Dei. They're, who they are as spiritual, relational, creative, yeah. purposeful beings. And um, and that means that we have to look at young people as contributors um, in every facet of, of, of the kingdom of God, not just, oh, uh, be a greeter or an usher at church where, where you can pass the offering basket or shake mm -hmm. someone's yeah. hand, but be on the, the worship team and the song service. Uh, why don't you share the message this week, the homily? Uh, why don't you be equipped and trained to go share the gospel with your classmate? Hey, why don't you uh, practice and live out intercessory prayer for your community, for your friends? You be the church, um, not just in the building, but in society. Yeah. And have you had good experiences of that, sort of trying to move in that direction with young people? Yeah, so um, Dare to Share is part of a growing social movement called Gospel Advancing Ministry. We've kind of um, ignited and spearheaded that movement, um, and it's now uh, growing globally. Mm. And what we have found, whether it's in Kenya, South Africa, Nepal, India, um, Paraguay, mm. Canada, or Ireland, is that the message of youth owning and sharing their faith, being contributors, resonates with youth leaders and youth alike. Mm. Uh, and so as we're equipping youth ministers or youth leaders and youth to, to own and share their faith. Um, they're excited. Um, our ministry is blessed. We're a smaller ministry, but yet our footprint globally is increasingly becoming larger. And um, over and over and over again, what we're hearing from church leaders, whether it's a local youth minister in a local church, or it's a denominational or an organizational leader at, at a national level, is that they, they are hungering um, for the tools and resources to equip their youth to share their faith. And so, yeah, we're seeing an uprising um, of young people that are very excited to be a part of the greatest cause. Uh, we've, in a sense, rebranded the Great Commission. Uh, a lot of people have no idea what that means. I think it has to do with sales commission or mm. um, it's, the terminology is so dated. Yeah. We, we say it's the cause. Young people want to be a part of causes, social causes. They want to make a difference, whether it's 
helping stray animals or it's um, raising funds for refugees or it's fighting injustices or, or sex trafficking. Um, a 13 or 14, 18 year old has the power today through technology to actually join a social cause, to be part of an uprising um, like never before. So again, that goes back to that Imago Dei and that desire to have purpose and meaning and belonging and uh, to contribute. And so what we've said is the greatest cause on the planet is the, is the gospel. It's the cause of Jesus Christ. It's to go and make disciples. And as a young person, um, prays, cares, and shares um, with their world, with their circle of influence, they're a part of the cause. They're part of the greatest cause. So, mm -hmm. um, And we're finding that that resonates with 14-year-olds as, as it does with 44-year-old youth leaders. Yeah. Is, is that they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. What would your encouragement be to, um, to youth sort of ministers in this country, or youth workers? Yeah, um, on a macro level, uh, it would be to uh, to shift thinking, um, to begin to view young people, particularly adolescents, mm. as contributors to the kingdom of God, rather than consumers. That would be on the macro level. To make it more specific would be to help youth understand a clear gospel message and how to articulate that message in conversation. Uh, many youth don't understand the simple message of salvation through Christ alone, through his grace. Uh, many youth don't know how to articulate that. They don't know where to begin. Uh, perhaps through um, uh, Christian education or through church culture, somehow they've come to believe that they have to have a theology degree, they have to have a, a status uh, in the church, they have to reach a certain age, um, but the reality of it is um, they can and should be having conversations about Jesus Christ. They should be praying for their friends, they should be caring for their friends and mm -hmm. showing them the love of Christ. Um, so let's help them do that, let's help them become the contributors that they desire and were made to be. Um, and, and we have great resources that you're sure uh, to do that. Um, but uh, at a macro level, I would encourage every youth leader, no matter where they're at, um, would be um, to find a way to mobilize, to really empower and send youth out to be the church, to yeah. be contributors in the kingdom. If you, Is there like one sort of, Dare to dare, dare to share um, sort of resource that you would sort of the number one resource you'd sort of recommend to people listening or like they would go on YouTube or yeah um, dare to share dot org uh, d a r e uh, the number two s h a r e dot org mm -hmm. uh, we have thousands of free resources on that and that feeds to other sites and um, other than that we have a mobile app dare to share dot dare to share would be the app. And then uh, I would say, especially for youth leaders that desire to have a DNA, a philosophy of ministry, regardless of your model, regardless mm. of your methods, whether you're a Bible club or sports-based ministry, whether you're an Anglican church or um, a Baptist church, um, we, we have put together um, some resources on how to have a gospel advancing ministry, and that's gospeladvancing.org. Mm -hmm. gospeladvancing.org and that really looks at biblical values to re-energize churches uh, to help youth contribute to the kingdom brilliant and so on a personal level I mean you've been in this for a long time 
But what kind of keeps you going or keeps you encouraged in your work with young people? I could answer that on, on, on several different levels, but I'll answer it by saying Timothy White. Timothy White was a student I had when I was a youth leader back in the Chicago area. He was the kid where when I prayed for patience, the Lord sent him to me. Uh, I said, God, I need more patience. And the Lord sent Timothy White. And that kid tried my patience year after year after yeah. year. Um, but to see him grow in faith and love Jesus, to now see him um, uh, this year going to be graduating from university with a degree and architecture, going out into the world, using his skills and talents to impact society. Um, that's what keeps me going in student ministry. It keeps me going, uh, equipping youth and empowering youth leaders is, um, is youth like Timothy that need Jesus, uh, need to be discipled, and have a wonderful potential to impact the world. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at the core of it would be youth and, and what they can do. You're not stopping anytime soon. No, I have a huge heart to encourage, equip, and empower global youth leaders. Um, how that's done, um, I don't know. But um, there's plenty of Timothy Whites out there in the world that need Jesus and need to be discipled and are ready to contribute and do great things for God. They just need awesome youth leaders to stand beside them and their parents and equip their parents as well to, to raise up godly kids. I think we we do sometimes on this podcast because we are very aware that we have dear friends in the states listening to this and Martin you have been over to America a few times with new specialities but it is always interesting to sort of mine that a little bit and sort of think about the differences and the similarities and I was really struck by Mark saying that America is post-Christian because the way that we hear the news and the stories about the states and how it plays out with abortion rights and Trump and the evangelical right and that it feels like it's a very, very religion is very entrenched in yeah, their, right, their yeah. way of doing politics but it's interesting that he's saying actually what they find in terms of youth culture is that these are spiritual orphans who don't know the meta-narrative of the bible mm. and actually they're having to go back and start a lot further back which we've had to do in this country for a very long time as well I mean is that yeah. your reading of yeah, it's weird states? isn't it because uh, church and state are separate Yes. in America in the way not and they are post you know they, they've always been seen as, um, as as like a very Christian country whereas here mm. where we're very definitely post-Christian church and state are intertwined mm. it's very interesting but but I think for a long time we've heard Americans say you know you guys are 20 years ahead of us and there's oh, that narrative has changed mm. over the last so I've heard people say actually it's more like five years I've never heard 20 seconds 20 minutes, 20 minutes <laughs> before as Mark yeah. said um, but uh, but yeah, I think there is a recognition that it's no longer they're not in Kansas anymore. Mm. Apart from the people who are in Kansas. in Kansas, those people are still in Kansas. But um, but yeah, I think it, it it is changing over there. And you look at if you look at youth culture, if you look at the cultural stuff, Netflix teen dramas and things coming out of America, they do reflect a much more post-Christian world. Even than I think Glee, you know, which is only ten years old. That still felt like it was very comfortably sitting in the America, the, the sort of 
Christian America that we know. Mm. And there was reactions against, you know, the kids rebelling against their parents' faith. Mm. Whereas now the stuff that you see more recently, 13 Reasons Why, mm. um, you know, even Stranger Things, which is set in the 80s, you know, faith is not present. Faith's not there. So I know that's not the barometer for for, um, for where the church is at in America, but I think it is definitely moving. It's definitely less present in the conversation of the average teenager uh, in America than it was maybe 10 years ago. He's very insistent in his language, and it really struck me listening to him. He was very insistent. Christian young people have to share their faith. And I, when I heard him say that, part of me was like, oh, and that's slightly the Brit in me, I think, that goes, well, of course they do, but actually... We realise there are lots of barriers to that and we realise that it's actually quite difficult for young people to share their faith in very hostile environments and if the adult church aren't doing it, we're not bothering to young people, so we actually want to help young people by stealth. But I was quite struck by that, that kind of dare to share. They're, they're very clear about that. No, Christian young people need to share their faith mm. with their friends and our job as adults, youth workers, parents, Christians, whatever, is to really cheer them on and champion them. And I, I just came away from that into thinking, ah, have I... Have I really, in the last month, mm. how many conversations with young people have I had where I've said, have you talked to about Jesus this week? Or how's that gone? Or how do I set the culture of expectation? Because I'm quite pastorally minded and I know how tough that is. Have you ever pulled your punch when you're mm. doing an evangelistic talk and you read the room and you slightly wobble mm. and go, oh, I'm downgrading from a full altar call to a... Reflect on this in your heart and maybe talk to someone. You yes. ever done that? I think I probably vaguely did it at your carol No, you session. didn't. Well, well, only because I read the room and thought, I really want to give people a chance to individually respond, but actually I think the setup of this won't, won't lend itself Yeah, well, we talked about that before. Yeah. I mean, have you ever stood there yeah. and changed your mind on the spot? I, I have, but it's not been... I don't, I've not changed my mind from give your life to Jesus kind of thing. What I've changed my mind from is... I've, I've started a sermon thinking, actually, this really needs to end in confession. Mm. Like, people are not seeing the work of the Spirit in their lives because actually they need to confess some stuff. And I've bottled that a few times. And I don't mm. know why I've done that. And mm. part of me goes, I think I've done that because actually that, that can be quite a difficult one to, to do well and do kindly. But also, actually, we don't have a culture anymore that says, sometimes the reason you feel far from God is that there's stuff in your life that, that he can't, he can't, yeah, he's got to deal with that before he can do stuff in your life. Yeah, and yeah. we don't really talk about that. So I think I've bottled that one a couple of mm. times. I've had the experience of, of standing in front of a group of young people, watching the slight unease and shifting in the room yeah. and going, I was going to do a, would you like to follow Jesus? And I... I'm now going to... And then, the, the reason I mention it is because afterwards, there's a profound sense of, oh, you idiot. That was a misnomer. Like, trust... Trust the spirit. Mm. It is not you that is converting your friend. No. It is not you that is convincing them this is true. It is the spirit. And the moment we forget that and think it's about us mm. is the moment we start to think about bottling it. I think we look at the waves rather than Jesus and the water, isn't it? I mean, it's a classic in that sense. What Peter did on the water was classic human nature, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. that's a little moment of confession of mine. No, absolutely. And, and I think it would be good to chat with young people a bit more about about this I think to sort of open up the conversation and and find out are they having more conversations with their friends than we think they have so you had one girl invited 15 of her friends to the contemporary <laughs> carol service and yeah. they're like oh my goodness I didn't even realise she was going to do that so I think young people always like surprise us and 
and, and do stuff that even when we're not encouraging them. But I love Mark's encouragement. As you know, if you're an adult and you have any Christian teenagers anywhere near you, your job is to cheer them on and to help them speak to their friends about Jesus. I think that's brilliant. Now we've uh, we've got an extra treat for you uh, on this. Well, podcast. for me personally, or uh, for the I listeners? think you will be particularly treated. Ooh-hoo! But all of us, yes, all of us are in for a treat because we have. A globe-trotting, roving reporter. Of course we do, Sasha! We sent Sasha off we on her did. merry way last year. Well, we year. didn't really send her, but we like to think that we control her. Oh, we commissioned her. We commissioned her. Did we? we, we did we buy any of the cakes that she made? We patted her money? on the back. <laughs> Producer Rachel did. She did. Oh, there we go. On behalf of all of us. Dear Sasha, who we love dearly, who was part of the Youthscape team, once you're with us, you're always with us. Yeah, and uh, so she's been on the road. It's great. Uh, in the Philippines. There's a lot of water in the Philippines. I suppose she's been mm. on the road and also on probably the on the water. But it's extraordinary. So she's going around visiting different youth projects, just kind of immersing herself in a different culture and seeing what youth ministry looks like um, in different parts of the world. And this is the first of her global updates. It's the Youthscape podcast. Hi, Sasha here, and I am talking to you from the Philippines. Um, I've been spending the last two weeks um, at an organisation called Young Focus, um, and they are an organisation um, that is centred all around um, student education, but also um, has a social care programme. Um, so they run over three sites. Um, they are three um, kind of purpose-built um, centres for young people and they work with young people ages um, all the way from preschool to college or what we would call university um, and the beauty of this programme is they are working with children um, they're not a school um, but they work alongside schools um, offering support um, tutorials um, social care they have in-house social workers they have a family care program and they also um, have something which is very interesting to me which is called the catch-up program Um, and this program is all about um, helping young people who um, are no longer in education um, all the way from elementary school um, up to the ages of college Um, and they are doing this as they work in a community called the Smoky Mountain community so Smoky Mountain was um, a kind of a site um, it's now been closed down, um, but it is um, synonymous with um, garbage. So it was a garbage site where people, um, the communities and the um, areas around would come and dump their garbages. And so the communities and the people around here, their main source of income is scavenging. So scavenging through the rubbish um, in order to collect things, in order to sell those um, for um, future income. So they work with the with the poorest um, in the community, um, helping and supporting the young people in order to give them um, a better chance at education. So the catch-up programme is all about helping young people who, some of them who work on the garbage sites themselves, but also um, those who, um, for whatever reason, are no longer in education. Um, and their aim is to, um, they come to a kind of an alternative learning programme um, where they can learn, some of them, um, 
don't know how to read or write, so they aim to give them the skills that they need in order to then re-engage with school, re-engage with um, education so that they can then better themselves and have better life opportunities for them and their families. They also have a program called Young Lee, which is called Young Unlimited. And this is actually for the young people who are actually not even interested in education. Um, all of the students in this program work. Um, and so what they do is accommodate for them. The program starts in the afternoon because um, the young people will work throughout the night. So they get to come into the centre, um, they get to have food, they get to have some sleep, they get to chill out, they get to watch a movie or they get to chat to someone. Um, the youth worker or the lead coordinator here who runs a fantastic programme um, for them and they learn skills um, and things to engage them or get them to start re-engaging with education. So the aim of this is for them to then re-engage with education. So they would go from Young Lee onto an alternative learning programme and then be reintroduced to school. Um, so it gives them opportunity to do things such as they have ukulele clubs, so they get to learn an instrument, they have guest people come in and show them skills, um, they engage with the community, um, they learn basic language skills, whether that's language in English or language in Tagalog, which is um, the language spoken here in the Philippines. All of the people um, who are engaged in um, this work are loving and caring and kind and want to see the best um, and um, help these young people reach their full potential. Some of the programmes also engage parents, helping them learn about nutrition, about how to um, use what they have to better um, feed and sustain their families, but also to help them engage and support the young people that they have. All of this is in order to help young people reach their full potential and ultimately for them to have a better um, opportunity at life and have um, different outcomes from what they already have. Another way that they are helping young people is through something called Tondo Creations. It's a fair trade programme where the students, um, they're around college age, sorry, university age, and they are taught jewellery making skills so that they can then use these um, in order to have an additional income um, to support them and their families so that they can continue on with their education. So they're taught in-house the key skills about jewellery making and they make these creations and then um, they get to um, sell these to anyone who wants to buy them. Um, and they're beautiful creations, I have one myself, um, but the thing I love most about it is the young people are fully engaged, they get to learn a new skill, they get to engage with people or audiences they may never have done before. Um, and it's a kind of a safe environment for them to understand how business works as well. So for some students, they may be studying business and this is a great opportunity for them to practice the skills that they're already learning in school with the creations that they have made. Well, that's all I have for you today. Um, hopefully I'll be back soon with another update on another organisation in another country. Oh, Sasha, we're going to, that's so great. I'm going to have more from Sasha when she visits the next country on her list. This is absolutely brilliant. Um, I've got in my hand, don't, don't you love it, listener, when you like have some stuff? Do you like stuff? Like where you have a resource and you open it and it's all shiny and new. And I've got a book that smells beautiful. It is the Discipleship Journal Swap. Oh, yeah. It's good. I've got it in my hand. And what I'm liking is it's black and a kind of a, what would you call this yellow? It's yellow. 
Yeah, but it's not just yellow. It's kind of a thick yellow, isn't it? It's Pantone, I don't know, it's whatever. It's amazing. And I'm wearing a skirt today that is kind of animal print. Oh, is black. it? Is that what you're going for? Black and a kind of yellow. So I'm holding this, <laughs> this book on my skirt. It's just in my brain. It's like causing all kinds of nice feelings. Oh, because so it blends. Because it blends. It kind of like looks amazing. So this book, but this book more than looks amazing is amazing. So quickly, Martin, because people might not have heard us off. If they weren't at the, the ministry weekend, they might not have, have been given a copy. Mm. What is it? Well, this is uh, the latest innovative resource from Youthscape. <laughs> Uh, and we gave some away at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. So if you go to the National Youth Ministry Weekend, we give you some free resources. This was one of them. Um, and this came out of, obviously, we've been producing youth resources for a while. Uh, and we wanted to produce something which not only kind of changed, uh, you know, not wasn't just a resource, but was also tinkering the edges of a model of youth ministry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that, that played with how we do uh, mentoring, particularly with young people. Uh, and uh, and one-on-one discipleship and so it's a pair of journals uh, which you uh, uh, give one copy to a young person and then potentially you the youth leader uh, this is sort of in the in the way I imagine it being used Uh, the you the youth leader keep the other copy and then you work through uh, six studies together on Jesus Um, and uh, they probably don't take uh, a, a sort of a single hour to complete mm, so it's mm. not it's probably a bit more than six hours of, of content mm. here if, if you wanted to you could make um, a single session last two or three yeah. um, you know hours of, of meeting but the idea would be that you'd meet um, in a public place like a coffee shop with a young person and you would go through uh, some exercises and some questions together and it's all beautiful and yeah, it's nicely designed and there's activities to do yeah some of it you do together, some of it you do on your own, and then some of it you swap journals. So let's swap that. Let's now. do let's that. Do that. <clears throat> this is great radio. There we go. We've just swapped it. Uh, so you swap you over. Wrote what? <laughs> and then you see what the other person's yeah. written. You write prayer requests for each other. You um, make notes on the thing the other person has written in theirs, and it basically is a collaboration. So you're both working together on both books. Yeah. Uh, so one is yours, and one stays yours, and is the one you keep. But you end up writing quite a bit in the other person's, oh, and and so the one of the reasons for doing it like this and trying something different is to try to um, remove that idea that we as the youth leader have everything to teach mm. and you as the young person have everything to learn. Actually, as much there's uh, that works both ways, and the idea is by by sort of leveling the playing field, you're both working off the same resource, you're both answering the same questions. Actually, you both have loads to teach each other. And you both have loads to learn from each other. Mm. And, you know, it's the quote that's um, misattributed to Vincent Donovan. But, um, you know, you, it's essentially a way of, of uh, on paper, going to a new place together mm. rather than being on your um, comfortable home ground as a, as a, as a mm. youth worker. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a new way of doing, I hope, uh, discipleship mentoring. And this is the first one. We called it volume one halfway through because we suddenly thought, gosh, this is really good. Um, we could do more of these. And so um, what we're really looking for, actually, is a bit of feedback. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you got this already or you want to uh, try it out, it's not massively expensive um, for what you get. Uh, I think a pair of journals is £12 on the Youthscape store. And if you buy more than two, if you want to do it in a group or you want to have several young people being mentored 
uh, at the same time. Well, mentor is the wrong word, isn't it? Because you're mentoring each other. Yeah, discipled. Yeah. Discipled. Discipled. Um, then, then the prices go down. Uh, and what we'd really love uh, is some feedback on on which bits work, which bits don't work so well, how you'd improve it, mm. and what other um, things you'd like us to tackle. So the first one felt like a good place to start looking at the life of Jesus and some mm. stories from Jesus. But should the next one be Habakkuk mm. or uh, mental health mm-hmm. or I don't know, mm-hmm. you know. And the great thing is I, I'm a, a volunteer youth worker for my church and I'm uh, there's a girl that I'm going to start doing this with. I'm going to start discipling her. She's 13. And it was just amazing being given by my youth worker at my church... I was given this and told this is what you're going to be working through. Oh, nice. And I've been a youth worker for many years. But there's something really, you just as a volunteer feel incredibly invested in. You feel you've been given something like, oh, this, oh, it's this. You want me to do this? Oh, that's suddenly I can see what I'm going to be doing with this young person. And it's exciting for her. She's really excited about having this resource. She's 13 years old. It's the first time she's grown up in a Christian family. First time that she's really been thinking about this stuff on her own. So I'm imagining we're going to have some really interesting conversations. But looking at it, I can really imagine using this for a 19-year-old who's just become a Christian as well because the way it, it, it looks, it's very clever design. It's not kind of a particular age group focus, I think. I think yeah. it feels like it could work with any high school age. Well, the way we wrote it and the yeah. way that we tend to write resources is it applies the um, children's TV rule of creating resources, uh, which is always pitch it at your oh, oldest yeah. Yeah. Uh, age group. So, um, so we, we have written this so that it might work with sixth formers because often they're the group that never get resources. Mm-hmm. But I actually think because it's so beautiful and yeah. there's lots of activities and things to draw and colour in and timelines to annotate and stuff like that, it's really accessible for other yes. ages. Yeah, brilliant. So if you want to get this or any of the other resources, there are three that were handed out at the National Youth Ministry Weekend that you can now buy on the website and we have other stuff as well. Please go to www.youthscape.com. Come on, you can do it. Slash store dot no, slash. No, the wheels have come is. Youthscape.co.uk. Slash store. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. It's as easy as You've that. Why can't I normally do that? There we go. Brilliant. So, and the other wonderful link is that Joe, whose surname is not Heartthrob, it's Hunky Heartthrob. Joe. He actually helped us write this, didn't he? So there we go. It all comes back to a complete circle. Who is the Trinity? So that's wonderful, dear friends. Have a wonderful day. Hello to Sarah Figuera, Dan Randall, Westy and Connor, and Nazarene College Youth Ministry Cohort. Please sponsor us at patreon.com slash youthscape. <laughs>